Blog Talk Radio. Building the nation with the word of the Lord. Teaching the people the love of God. Kingdom. Kingdom. Kingdom.
causes us to lift our hands with a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of gratefulness. He's amazing because he saved us. He's amazing because not only did he save us, but he freed us. And then on top of all of that, his love is never failing. He's amazing because his deliverance power is still at work. It's amazing. It's amazing how he freed me. It's amazing how he loved me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So amazing how he delivered. And you set me free. Almighty. 
Good evening. Welcome to this edition of Kingdom Empowerment. Hallelujah. And I, like Donnie, am amazed at the wondrous works of the Lord. Hallelujah. I am so fired up on tonight. I pray that it will just transcend the airways and that you too will be fired up as I am as we partake of the word of God on tonight. I just thank you. I thank God for another opportunity and a chance to share with you what he has laid in my heart and how he has built up my faith in him, how I have grown within him in the arena of faith. And I'm praying that by the end of this broadcast, you too will have ascended to a new place in the Lord in your faith. We give God all the glory and all the honor for you on tonight. My name is Elder Corlette James. I am your teacher and host for tonight. This has been such an incredible weekend for me. I was blessed to attend a conference, a women's conference, um, hosted by a very dear friend of mine, um, Pastor Val Scarborough, and she did a conference, and the title of the conference was Faith for Your Footsteps. And I'll tell you, every speaker that came forth just built more and more on the foundation that God had already laid. And I just felt really, really impressed in my spirit to come before you on tonight to share some things with you, some things from the conference, some things that God had placed within my spirit during that time, and just being in the place that I was entering into that conference and and the place that I came out in was just unbelievable to me. And I believe in my spirit that there are many that are in a place where I was and am no longer in their walk and in their journey. And that's my passion is to encourage others along their journey, to encourage you to to step into the greater and greater and greatness of God. Hallelujah. So that's that's my my assignment tonight, and as you can probably tell, we are going to be discussing faith, but we're going to be discussing faith on a few different levels, and especially our faith in prayer, because you know that's that's another passion of mine is is our prayer walk, hallelujah, but you know when we pray, we need to have faith or to know where our faith is at, even when we pray. If we don't, then what we're doing is just uttering vain repetition. So I, I just, I'm telling you, pull out your word, get your notebook, um, put your feet up if you feel better or what have you, but we're going to take a journey on tonight. And as I said a few moments ago, my prayer is that when we get to the end of this time together, that you will be in a different place in God than what you're starting right now. Let's go to the throne room of prayer at this time. Father God, we just give you the praise, the glory, the honor, Lord. You set the atmosphere, Father God, for your conduciveness to speak to your people, oh Lord God. I, I submit and surrender my mind, my mouth, my soul, my body, my members, everything about me unto you. Lord, that you may speak in me and through me, oh, Lord God, to your people. I lift up my brothers and sisters in the faith, oh, Lord God, and I pray on this night, oh, Lord God, that their faith, hallelujah, their growth in their faith be increased, 
oh Lord God. I pray on this night, Father, that they be encouraged, Lord, in whatever position and stature and station that they are in their walk with you, that they be encouraged, Father God, to step up. Hallelujah. To step up in you, oh Lord God. I pray, Father God, that there would be a tremendous outpouring of your spirit into their lives on tonight, Father God, that you would step into their very arena, to their atmosphere, to their psyche, Lord God, to their spirit, Lord, and have your way in them and through them. I give you the praise and the glory for what you are doing and what you have already done in our lives, oh Lord God. Thank you, Harababashanda, for being such a loving father. Thank you so very, very much for caring for your children when we don't even know that there is an issue, oh, Lord God. Thank you so very much for opening up the windows of heaven and pouring your forth, yourself forth out on us, Lord. You, you dwell within us, Father God, and, and then you dwell upon us, oh, Lord God, and then you surround us, oh, Lord God, and we just thank you, hallelujah, Ah, that we are never alone, that you are on every step of this journey along with us, oh, Lord God. Hallelujah. We give you praise tonight. Thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us, Lord God, through our mess. Thank you for loving us through our confusion. Thank you for loving us for our outright re- through our outright rebellion. Thank you for loving us in spite of it all. In spite of it all, you have yet decreed and declared before the foundation of the earth that we were yours. We were your children. You created us with a destiny and a purpose. And we thank you, Father, that after tonight, we will be even that much more closer to fulfilling the destiny and the purpose to which you have called us to. Now have your way, Father God. The airwaves are yours. Hallelujah. We give you praise, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And to you be the glory, Father God. It is so. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. I want to give you a little background about where I found myself at a few days ago because I believe, as I said, there are many of you that will be able to relate to the place that I found myself in my spiritual walk, in my natural um, happenstance and circumstance and atmosphere. Um, and, and I think that if if I can, if you can relate to me and I can Get in there and penetrate in a way that you can clearly understand the state of mind that you are in. I believe at that point we can release the place that we were to move to another place. Hallelujah. I found myself, um, I moved moved to Atlanta a year ago. And when I moved here, actually, in my mind, I had actually purposed I was only going to be here a year. Um, I was going to um, help a company that I was working for get us in a brick-and-mortar building. The company was already established virtually, but the owner wanted to, to establish it in a, um, a corporate setting. So um, in my mind, when I came, I was like, okay, so we're going to go in, we're going to get this building, and I'm going to train somebody and get everything rolling, and, and then I can get back to the business um, of ministry. 
And when I first got here, I actually, you know, was still trying to do both. I was, you know, still doing my my, my broadcast. And, um, you know, I started off good, you know, in the Word and still in prayer and all of these different things. But as time progressed, I found myself doing more and more work on the job and less and less passion or, or pursuing my passion of ministry. Um, ministry has never worked for me. It's never tedious. I love it. I love being of service to people. Um, I, I love the Word of God. I love proclaiming the Word of God. I love teaching it. Um, I, I, I just I love the whole atmosphere of, of the Spirit of God working in and through me. Um, so it, it was, you know, in my mindset, and, and then I had um, my book that I had in my mind was going to be finished and completed, you know, within a couple of months after I got here. And, you know, it, it was just, I had this nice, neat package before me, and I just knew everything was just going to fall right in place. And I tell you, when I first got here, I mean, it was like the blessings were abundant. I, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had led me on this path. I knew that coming in. But my preconceived notion of my journey on that path um, was far from the way the journey actually took place. As I said, I got here and it was just really blessed. And um, many of you have heard the testimony when I first moved here. I had had my belongings in storage for four years and, and God blessed. And here I was and I, and I had been living in other people's homes and God blessed. And so I had a home and, and blessed me with a car and um, blessed me to get my belongings out of storage and whatever. And it was awesome. It was just awesome. I'm like, oh yeah, God, we're doing this. We're doing this. It's all good. And like I said, I just, in my mind, it was like, you know, I'm going to come in, I'm going to do this, I'm going to hit it and quit it and be on about my business. Well, fast forward a year later, I had actually got so entrenched in the job that the things of ministry basically took a back seat. Um, I, I wasn't doing broadcast anymore. My prayer time was limited. Um, I still prayed, of course. I still entreated God. I still had time with him, but it was glimpses of time. It was nowhere near the time that I was accustomed to spending with him. Um, my study time had took a backseat. Everything that was supposed to be in the forefront of my life was now taking a backseat, and my life consisted of 10 to 14 hours every day of work. Um, it, it was just, you know, there was always, always the dilemma there, you know, you get past one dilemma and there was another dilemma and you, you get past that one and there was another one and, and everything. And, and because I am a person that I take um, responsibility to heart, I am the office manager for the company. So everything rests on my shoulder because the owner is not a day-to-day -day type boss that's in the office, he's out doing other things and building other businesses and doing all of that. So basically, the operation of the, the, the company was resting on my shoulders. And I felt the need, you know, to try to cover all angles. It was like, wherever there was a shortage, we're short people, I'm covering. And we're short this, I'm trying to cover and what have you. And I found myself in a place of frustration, 
very, very frustrated. And I found myself confessing my frustration and confessing how tired I was and confessing how over this whole situation I was. And that became, it may not have been an audible confession to everybody around me, but it was an inward confession, which is really very dangerous. Because it's those inner vows and those inner confessions that will cause uh, a damper and, and a hindrance on our lives. And, and I, I, I am a woman of faith. I am a woman that has taught countless teachings on setting your atmosphere and establishing, you know, the, your surroundings and, you know, and, and establishing your atmosphere with your words and what have you. So it wasn't like I did not know what I needed to be doing, but I had gotten so entrenched in the day-to-day grind that I had walked away from what I knew to do. And it didn't even, it, it would like periodically occur to me that, you know what, you know, something's wrong with this picture. And and for that period of time, I was like, okay, yeah, I got to get it together. I got to get it together. But I kept saying I got to get it together. I got to get up and I got to spend that time with God. But when the morning would come, I would just still be so tired because I had worked so many hours the day before that it was like it was difficult trying to shift that focus and to get up and to do what I knew to do. And that's the place I found myself a week ago. And it was like when I, I knew, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you know change is at hand. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is something that you need to get to and establish something new in your life. And I remember telling my boss um, a couple of weeks ago, probably when I first first heard about the conference, and I said to him, I said, um, listen, I, I need to have the Friday the first off. And that weekend. And so he looked at me, he's off. And I'm like, yeah, off. Like where my phone is going to be turned off. Somebody reached me. Uh, I'm leaving at 6 p.m. on Thursday. And I will be unavailable (laughs) until Sunday. So, and he just kind of looked at me and he's like, what's going on? So, you know, of course, he is not a, a true believer in the sense of walking it out. He believes in God, but, you know, not in any kind of, sense of, yes, he's trying to live that life and walk it out, okay? So I looked at him and I said, I need to recharge my batteries. <laughs> he was like, okay. <laughs> and and, and he, but he was like, okay, you know. So I know he didn't fully understood, but I knew. Inside of me, there was this, this yearning for the presence of God. Um, do I go to church? Yes, but not every Sunday. It was just like, you know, I'm telling you, I was in that place where, you know, some Sunday mornings it was like, Lord, I just need to rest. Just minister to me right where I am. I'm just tired. My body was tired. My mind was tired. So I don't know. No, I take that back. I do know that I had an appointment with God, and that appointment was going to take place this past weekend. I believe each and every one of you have a a preset, preordained appointment with God, like just like you would call 
up your doctor and say and make an appointment and say, you know, something's not right. And I need a checkup. <laughs> I need to make an appointment. I need to get in to see you. That's where I was. And that's what I felt that this weekend was, was that it was going to be an appointment. Now, I gave you that background because, as I said before, I believe that there's many of you that are under the sound of my voice right now that are in that place, that place of frustration, that place of just tired, and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, that place of, okay, this is not the vision that I have, okay? This is not working out the way I have planned and what happens. And then, especially if you're seasoned in your walk, you're not just a bit setter at church. You're not just going to social service when you go to church, but you're seasoned and you're established in God. You're really sitting there going, okay, what in the world is going on? And and you're like me. It's like, it's not that you don't know what to do. You know what to do. However, you're not doing it. And so this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we have to say, "Mm -mm, stop the bus. I need to get off. Hold up. (laughs) Hold up. I know better. And you need to tell yourself right now, I know better. I know what I need to do in God. But I just need that gentle nudge, that push, that hand up to say, okay, let's get it together. That's where we are tonight. We are going to get it together. Amen. We are going to look at faith in a completely different manner. We are going to allow the spirit of the living God to dwell within us, speak through us, and propel us forward in faith. In faith. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to read Luke, the 11th chapter, and the first through the third verse. The first through the third verse. Now, most of the time when we deal with the Lord's Prayer, or the, the, the Lord's Prayer is actually John 17. But the model prayer, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, we normally look at it in Matthew 6. Um, that's just the standard, and that's what we usually see. But I want you to hear this in Luke 11, because it, it's the same setting, um, same scenario, but this is Luke telling it as opposed to Matthew telling it. And this is how Luke worded it. This is the King James Version. Excuse me. He said, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. Amen. We're going to read the second and the third verse again. 
I love the way the way Luke broke it down and and his enunciation of how the prayer should go. He said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Now, here's where it varies just a little bit from the way Matthew worded it. It says, Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. As in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. Now, I know you're saying, well, it's the same thing. Yes, it is the same thing, but let's look at the way he said it. As in heaven, so in earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Same thing, okay? Give us our daily bread. In heaven, it, it, it just it causes you to look. So as in heaven, as it is in heaven, so in earth. In earth, not in the earth, but as in heaven, so in earth. In other words, the same thing that's going on in heaven needs to be going on in earth. What earth? You, earth. You are the earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. What is our daily bread? The word of God says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. That is your daily bread, every word that proceeded out the mouth of God. Now, you need to get a vivid understanding and a picture of this. Remember, we are in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, even though we're right here in the earth, we are citizens of two realms. We are citizens of the earth realm because in this mortal flesh, in this body, this, this fleshly house that encompasses who we really are, our spirit, we're regulated here on earth. However, our spirit is free to traffic between the two from the earth realm to the spiritual realm, which is in heaven. So we are citizens first in heaven because that was where our creation began. Our creation began in the mind of God, not when mommy and daddy got together. Our creation began in the mind of God. So he established us, then picked two people to put together so that we could legitimately enter this earth realm. This is important. This is very important because, see, we got here, and as we grew, we started taking on more and more of the characteristics of this earth realm and somehow kind of forgot the characteristics of the heavenly realm, the God realm. And that's how we get off kilter and we mess up. Remember me saying, as time progressed, I got so engrossed in my job and spending 10 to 14 hours a day on the job that the things of God kind of began to take a back seat. So I was spending less time in prayer, less time in meditation, less time in study, definitely less time in ministry because I got caught up 
in this earth realm. Remember Timothy? Timothy told, told us and he taught us, he said, when you're called to war, as a good soldier, you don't entangle yourself in the affairs of this world so that you can please the one who called you to be a soldier. See, we need to stop, and 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 we we're gonna we're gonna walk through um, one scripture, several different variations of it, so that you can get a full understanding. But as we're doing it, and we're doing it to renew our mind, not just to renew our mind, but to renovate our mind. And we're going to discuss that in a minute. But we've got to get to that place. And I may get a little redundant to you at times tonight, but it's because I want you to get a clear understanding of where you are, why you're where you are, and how to get out of where you are. Amen? Because this is very, very important. We have a mighty, mighty work to do. And we're getting so caught up in the things of this earth realm that we're forgetting what we were truly put here to do. Now, God has allowed us to enjoy the pleasures of this earth realm while we're here. But we can't get so caught up in enjoying those pleasures that we forget while we're here. Remember, we are ambassadors sent down here for a purpose and a reason. We have a destiny to fulfill. He told Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. Do you think that was just for Jeremiah? That's for each and every one of us. Before mommy and daddy got together, God already had preordained us had already thought forth and put into action everything that we would need on our journey. Remember, he said he has given us everything that pertaineth to life and godliness. Why? Why to life and godliness? Where does the godliness come in? See, that's where the renewing of our mind has to come from. Okay, and and we're not going to go woo-woo spooky, but we're going to break this thing down so that you recognize and understand your true potential, the true power that you encompass within yourself, and why it is so vitally important for you to have the correct conversation, even with yourself. See, remember, like I said, I'm walking in frustration, so my conversation even within me is, I'm so tired. I'm so frustrated. Damn this. I can't wait for dust, dust, and dust to happen so I can do dust, dust, and that. What am I waiting for? Why am I just rehearsing and regurgitating what I don't like instead of speaking forth and decreeing and declaring what should be? That's 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 part of our issue. We get bogged down. We get weary in our well-doing. I'm diligent in what I do. I'm like that tenacious little dog. You give me a bone and I'm not letting it go. I, I done gripped it. I'm holding on to it and I'm tenacious with it. But there's a problem there because I was being tenacious with the wrong thing. 
while I was sitting up through the conference, and, and, and God has a way of dealing with me like this, I'm listening to one message, but he's giving me another one as I'm listening to the person that's up speaking. And this is one thing that he spoke to me about my diligence. And so I'm repeating it to you. I'm confessing it to you because I believe that there are some of you that have that same issue. He said, do not let your diligence be used against you. Do not let your diligence be used against you. See, that's what happened. I'm diligent. I I try to carry myself with the spirit of excellence, so I'm trying to do the job with the spirit of excellence. I'm doing all things as unto God, which is what the word teaches us. However, this is what I didn't do. He said, be diligent in the things of God first and everything else will fall in line. See, I got caught up in being diligent with this job, which was frustrating me because it was working against what God had called me to. Now, he didn't say he didn't want me to do this job. He, I didn't go after this job. You have to understand me. I was minding my own business. I was in New York, minding my own business, and one day got a phone call from somebody that I had met when I was working with John King, and they were like, you know, what you doing? I need your help. And that's how I got involved in this. It wasn't that I went looking. And I, because normally I do this, and I did. It's like, you know, God, what's up? Because, you know, I ain't really worked at J-O-B in a minute, you know, because I've been pursuing the things of you. What's with this? Is this something that you have for me? And the answer was go, do. That was two years ago. But what he didn't do was tell me, get so involved in this that you forget me. See, we do that. We take the blessings that God has given us, and we take it and we crush it to where it is almost no longer a blessing. He said that his blessings are given without repentance. His blessings are given without remorse. His blessings should be good, not something that pulls us away from him. Nothing should ever do that. So remember that. In your diligence, in pursuing excellence, see, the enemy can find so many ways to creep up, okay? He can. However, he don't hold a candle. Okay, because trust me, I'm not going to glorify him whatsoever because my God is too good and too powerful for that. The enemy does not hold a candle to what we can do to ourselves. We're quick to say the enemy, the enemy, the enemy. (laughs) What we're dealing with tonight is us. We're taking and we're opening the mirror of the word. We're looking at ourselves and stopping to say, wait a minute, the buck stops here. Because, see, the enemy didn't cause me to do what I did. That was me. And I thought I was doing the right thing. But when all the frustration and what have you set in, then it's like, wait, wait, something is wrong here. But I allowed that. Are you hearing me? I allowed that. This was not the enemy. This was not my boss. This was not even the job. I did this. So when we can see that it's us, then we can do something about it. Because if I got me into this, okay, by my overzealous in being overzealous in the wrong direction, then I can get me out of this by being zealous in the correct 
direction. That's what we're doing. We're correcting where we've overcompensated. Because that's exactly what I did. I overcompensated. So now, the new, when we reverse the script, now it's, okay, wait a minute. If I've got, if life and death are in me, in the power of my tongue, and all I have done is rehearse with inside myself something that made me and caused me to be tired all the time, frustrated all the time, then, hello, let me reverse that. Let me reverse that. Let me take my faith to the place where it needs to be, which is in God. Because my faith, God in heaven knows my faith is not in that job. I don't walk this walk way too long to put faith in a job. You know, in fact, the, the job to me is underpaying me because it's paying me quite a bit less than what I'm used to making. And I'm working a whole lot harder. So this was me. This was me getting me twisted. So let's untwist ourselves and see what God is saying for us in our faith. See, that, that, that faith walk. It goes back to that faith walk. And what is my faith in? My faith is in God. My faith is in what God has called me to. My faith is in what God has said about me. My faith is in the fact that he has given me him. Him. That's my faith. That's my faith. Something rang out so loud to me this weekend, and it was like they kept, the, the, the different speakers kept saying the measure of faith, and we always quote it a measure of faith. And then I went to the Word, and I was like, there's a big difference. It, it's, you know how God just pulls out these little nuggets that just, you know, you, you say so, so easily, and it just flows, and, and you don't realize how wrong you are. By one little word, by changing one little word, one letter, one letter, threw the whole thing off. See, because God has given a measure of faith to every man versus God has given the measure of faith to every man. There's a difference. See, a measure is like, okay, well, some have a little faith, some have a lot of faith, you know, we have to grow in our faith. Um, we have to let our faith grow. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. Mm-mm. He's given the measure. What is the measure? Everything you need. He gave it to you when he thought you up, when he created you. He already gave it to you. So now, instead of confessing, I'm so tired, I'm so frustrated, I can't stand this, I can't wait for this to be over, for the, the confession audibly as well as internally is I'm alert. I have everything that I need to fulfill the purpose of me being where I am right now, just waiting until God says it's time to move. But I'm alert. I'm self-conscious. I'm organizing and I'm structuring my days so that first and foremost, God is there on the top. I'm arising early to spend time with you, Lord God, so the rest of the day can fall in place. I'm I'm not staying at that job till 11 and 12 o'clock at night. I'm leaving at a decent hour. I'm coming home. I'm spending time with my husband. I'm spending time in your word, oh, Lord God. I am organizing my life according to what you have called me to. 
not according to the preconceived notion that I've got to do everything because that is my lie to myself. The word tells us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And so in my feeble mind, I had to cover everything because the responsibility was on me. Mm -mm. No, God, you have somebody in place to do everything that needs to be done. You've already established my footsteps and my coming and my going, so I need to readjust myself, refocus myself on the path that you have laid out for me. However long you want me to be at this job, there is that's fine. There's got to be a reason, and I see people coming in that need that need to see someone truly standing in you, someone that is not a frustrated, embittered person, but that's someone that is going through day to day with the joy of the Lord being her strength. I've shown frustration. I've tried not to show embitterment, but frustration has definitely been all over my face. Why? Because it's been all within me. Tiredness has been all over my face. Why? Because that's what's been within me. So today I was a new creature. I went in there, how you doing? I am wonderful. I am great. I came home after this weekend and sat and talked to my husband. It's like, you know what? This is what God has shown me. You know, we've got to come together. We're going to stand on X, Y, and Z. And he was like, maybe we got it. So now we're up every morning catching and agreeing with each other. I was tired last night, so it was not. I'm going to come in here and try to do something on this job. It was I cooked dinner, okay, and went to bed. Whatever had to be done, it was going to wait till today. And guess what? It was just fine. The earth didn't shatter, okay? The ceiling didn't fall down. The skies didn't part. It was just fine. I put more pressure on myself than I needed to, and I believe that you are doing the same thing. You're putting more pressure on yourself than you need to in the things that does not glorify God. You glorify God on your job when you are working in a spirit of excellence, but when you also have put him first because, see, that's where I was missing it. Where I did early morning prayer every morning before, I wasn't doing that because I'm too, quote, unquote, tired. So when I changed my confession in myself, it changed my, my outward appearance. It changed my body language. It changed my, my mental capacity. So that's where we've got to get. I want you to go, please, to Romans 12. And we're going to look at Romans 12 in several different translations. But there's a reason for that because we need to get the full understanding of the measure of faith versus a measure of faith. Now, one thing that that one of the speakers said this weekend was that faith is full grown. And I was like, D. I mean, literally, it's like, you know, how something is something so simple and it just like resonated in my spirit. Faith is full grown. You, you, You don't have to grow your faith. You need to grow up in your faith. And when he said that, and I said back, and I thought about it, and this is the illustration that God gave me, I promise you, right before my eyes, right before my eyes, it was like, you know, when you're a child and you play dress up and you put on 
mama's dress or you put on daddy's suit coat or whatever, or you put on mama's heels or daddy's shoes or whatever, be you male or female, you know, and they're way, way too big for you. And you don't handle them properly. You can't properly walk in it. You know, you can't you can't wear it out to a function because it does not fit. But there's nothing wrong with the garments. It fits mommy, it fits daddy because they're full grown and they're full and they're grown up garments. Well, what God showed me was because He has already given you the measure of faith you need to do whatever it is He's called you to. You've got to grow up in it. And as you grow, that faith that he has planted within you starts to fit better and better. The more you grow, the better it fits. The more you grow, the more you're able to walk properly in those shoes. And then all of a sudden one day you're fully grown and the shoes fit perfectly. You're fully grown. Mama's dress look good on you. You're fully grown, and hey, daddy, your suit is a bomb. Can I borrow it tonight? Because you've grown up in it. That's the thing that we have to do in our faith. We need to grow up in our faith. We don't need more faith. We're asking God, give me more faith. Mm -mm. We don't need more faith. Even the the man in Mark, um, I think it's Mark 9, I'm not sure, but the man in Mark, when he came and he wanted his son prayed for, and the disciples prayed for his son, but the son didn't receive deliverance, and he went to Jesus. And he said, you know, I asked your disciples to pray for my son, and they did, but nothing happened. And so Jesus asked him, can you but believe? And he said, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. We have to grow up into a place where there is no unbelief. We have to grow up in our faith where, no, no, Lord, I'm not doubting you at all. What I need to do is get myself aligned with you so that I know that I know that I know that the path that I am walking on is what you call me to. I know that I know that I know that what I'm speaking out of my mouth is you speaking through me. I know that I know that I know that you have already taken care of whatever it is that I need. So I don't need to worry myself over what's going to happen to me, what I need to concern myself with, not worry, but what I need to concern myself with is following after what you called me to. He is your creator. He had a purpose in mind when he created you. He did everything that he was going to do at that time for you. He is your alpha and your omega, your beginning and your end. He created the whole path for you finished the ending, and then backed up and started the beginning, which was your life. So it's already been done. It's already been done. There is nothing that happens in your life that is a surprise to God. He is not sitting on the throne waiting on you to come say, God, do you believe such and such happened? And he's not sitting there saying, no, I can't believe that. Are you serious? They said, what? No. That's not the God you serve. God, they're being so mean to me. God, they didn't promote me. God, God, God is like, uh, excuse me. I have given you everything that pertains to life and godliness, and it is within you. So, where does the 
life come in and where does the godliness come in? Well, you live your life on a day-by-day basis. We just read in Luke, give me day-by-day my daily bread. So he's giving you day-by-day everything you need. Dr. Cindy Trim coined the phrase, phenomenally command your day. You need to get up in the morning and command your day. You command your morning, you command your afternoon, you command your evening, you command your night, all at the same time by commanding your day to align itself up with what God has predetermined your path to be for that day. That's what we need to get into our mindset. Not, okay, God, you know, I need you to do X, Y, Z for me today. No, 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 no. God has already done it. Whatever needs to be done, it has already been done. What you need to do is, God, I need you to give me the discernment, give me the the information I need, the counsel I need to enable me to walk along the path that you have preordained for me. Because he has given us freedom of thought, so we are able to get off that path and go a different way if we so choose. And that's what gets us off kilter. That's what messes us up. <laughs> this is good. This was a nugget that really, really blessed me. As I'm sitting and I'm thinking, and I'm going, okay, Father, how in the world did I get so distracted? I, I'm literally, I'm, I feel that I'm distracted against what it is that you called me to Atlanta to do. This is not my permanent home. I already know that. I know I have an assignment in Las Vegas to fulfill. I understand that. I know that there's things that you call me to while I'm in this place here to attend to. There are people you called me to meet that are going to be a blessing, not just to me, but to those that touch my life. So I want to be in position to receive what you called me for. I want to be in position to do what you called me here to do. So how did I get so distracted off the things of you? And as I thought about that, I thought, hmm, distraction. Well, anything that has this before it, has its own meaning because the disc is getting you off from it, okay? So I was like, hmm, all right, distraction. What does the word distraction mean? Because I know distraction means I'm distracted, I'm not fulfilling what you called me to do. What does the word distraction mean? And I, I went to try to break this thing down, and I went, I was I literally, I'm like in between sessions, and I'm in my car on my phone looking like, okay, what does distraction mean? And I kept looking, and I could not originally, like, find, like, a Webster dictionary definition for distraction. However, the more I search, see, that's why you, you can't give up your search just because you don't find what you're looking for off the top. The more I searched, then I found an urban dictionary meaning for distraction. And it said, distraction was strategy in action. I'm like, I like that. <laughs> okay. So, straction is st- strategy in action. So, if 
I'm looking at it in that connotation, then distraction means that my strategy is no longer in action because I've let something get me off the course of the action that should be taking place. Think about it. So when you're distracted from the things of God, then you're no longer walking in the strategy that he has given for your life. You're no longer walking in the action that he has called you to, to walk in the blessings that he has laid before you, to walk into the blessing of souls, to walk into the blessing of making a difference in people's lives, to walk into the blessing of being a blessing to somebody else, because you are distracted. I was like, wow, wow. It just, I'm like, okay. So I want traction in my life. I don't want distraction. I want traction in my life. I want strategy in action. I want the strategy, God, that you have already predetermined for me. Okay, remember, he is also our commander-in-chief. So he has given a strategy for our lives. He's given a strategy for our warfare. He's given us a strategy for our praise. He's given us a strategy for our worship. He's given us a strategy for our walk with him. He's given us a strategy for us to impart in the lives of other people that we come in contact with only way that strategy can operate in action as it should be is that we are connected to the one that gave the strategy. Because if we're disconnected, disconnected, if we are disconnected, the same way we are distracted, then we can't clearly hear. Because we can't hear what the Spirit says if we're not connected to the Spirit. I'm telling you, we've got to change our mindset. We've got to understand that we have no choice than to start our day with the Father. We have no choice than to hear from our commander-in-chief. We have no choice than to learn what the word of God is saying about us. The word is your mirror. I, I, I was teaching a few weeks ago in Vegas, and one of the things that God gave me to ask the people, what has he written in your script? Jesus said the things that happened had to happen because it was written in the scripture. He had to be given over to man. He had to be crucified in order that he could be risen from the dead, in order that he could be our propitiation for sin, in order that he could still, not still, take the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He had to walk through what he walked through so that all these things could happen. And all these things that he had to go through were foretold. They were already written in the quote-unquote scriptures. The scripture is the script of his life. It was the foretelling. It was the actuality of it. And it was the foretelling of what's to come because he came. What has God written in your script? There was a foretelling, 
There is the actuality of what you are right now, and there is what is yet to come. But if you don't get in and read your script, read your script. This is not the time to ad-lib. Read your script. And you can only read your script by reading the mind of God, by reading the heart of God. You find yourself in his word. You find yourself in his word, and then you go and you say, okay, Daddy, I, I see the mirror of your word in my life. I see what you've called, what, what you have set in motion for my life. Now I need to fine-tune the details. I know that I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. I know I'm highly favored among the among many. I know I'm unique. I know that you love me. I see all of these different things. I know, I know, I know what I need to know. I know the word. I know what it says, but I need to know the details. God is a God of details. You don't believe me, go back to the word and read how he designed the robes of the Levites. Okay, how he designed the ephods, how he designed the robes. I mean, down to whatever, what thread was going to be in it. He is a God of detail. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He has not changed. And he sits ready to reveal unto you who you are. Because the more you learn of him, the more you learn of you. Because you're created in his image and likeness. Everything that pertains to life and godliness he has given you. Godliness. We're going to touch on that in a minute. I'm itching to deal with that. We're going to touch on it in a minute. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you that you've got to get yourself aligned. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to. I, I, I know that you got a lot going on. You're a mommy. You're working. you got babies. You're a father. You're trying to to run your business. You've got all of these things going on, and they've got you so discombobulated you don't know if you're coming or going. Stop. S-T-O-P. Stop. Stop allowing your good to be evil spoken of because that's what's happening if you are too busy to align yourself with him first. First. And then everything else falls in line. Everything else falls in line. Okay. Romans 12. (laughs) This is good. I, I, this was one of the key scriptures that they dealt with over the weekend, and, and like I said, it, it just it came to me basically. That, wait a minute, let me, let me back up. I'm sorry. Only one person mentioned Romans 12, <laughs> okay, and the third word. But for me, this is what resonated within me once I heard B versus A. I'm like, oh, there's a big difference, Lord. There's a big difference, and and they didn't call they didn't call attention to how we normally say it, they just repeated it. But everybody repeated it the same, the measure of faith. And they put emphasis on the. And I'm going, okay, let me go back and read that. <laughs> I just, just, I got to study out for myself. I, I, I got to do that because it resonated in me. Okay. Romans 12, 1 through 3. Okay. Um, I'm reading it out of the King James Version first. Okay, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, 
acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The measure of faith. Okay? Wow. And I'm going, I've heard it preached over and over again. I've repeated it, a measure of faith. God has given everybody a measure of faith. But that word, the, means it's all. The, 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 it, it, everything is encompassed. Everything is encompassed. I'm going to read that third verse to you out of the Amplified as well. It says, for by the grace, unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. According to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. That degree is everything you need, everything you need. So I read it like, okay, both of these are, you know, kind of like American translations. You got, you know, England, King James, and, you know, Amplified is definitely, you know, American and whatever. And I'm like, okay, God. So, yeah, that's the, I, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing the measure of faith. I'm, I'm understanding um, that he's given us all the faith we needed. We got to grow up in it. Um, I understand that. I do. I really do. But I think I want to check it out in the Jewish Bible because, like I said, you know, translations are just that. They're translations. Um, and they take upon themselves different connotations. So the first thing I did, I pulled out my Jewish Bible, and I read it in there and found it down very, very interestingly. So we're going to read that out of the complete Jewish Bible. Hold on for me one moment, please. Yeah, okay. So it says, I exhort you, therefore, brethren, in view of God's mercies, to offer yourself as a sacrifice, living and set apart for God. Now, catch this next line. This this is this is powerful. This will please him. It is the logical temple worship. For you, did you catch that? This is the logical temple worship for you. Now, isn't that interesting that it says it's the logical temple worship for you, for you to offer yourself as a sacrifice, living and set apart for God. This will please Him. It is the logical temple worship for you. Remember that your body, that you are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
we forgot that we 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 we've taken these bodies because they're they're mere mortality, and we forgot that it's just the flesh, the outly portion that's gonna die. It's the inward man that will continue to live, and and this outward portion now is called the temple of the Holy Ghost. So there is something going on on the inside, and what's going on on the inside is God dwelling within you, within this temple. So I was like, wow. This will please him. It is the logical temple worship for you. The second verse says, in other words, do not let yourselves be conformed to the standards of the Alam Hazah. Instead, keep letting yourselves be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what God wants and will agree that what he wants is good, satisfying, and able to succeed. Now, that's good. Instead, keep letting yourselves be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what God wants and will agree that what he wants is good, satisfying, and able to succeed. For I am telling every single one of you, through the grace that has been given to me, not to have exaggerated ideas about your own importance. Instead, develop a sober estimate of yourself based on the standard which God has given to each of you, namely trust. Now, they translate faith, trust here. And it says to not have an exaggerated idea about your own importance, but instead develop a sober estimate of yourself on the standard which God has given to each of you, namely trust. Now, now this is, this is important to get a clear understanding here. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't have an exaggerated um, idea about your own importance. Understand, understand. How can I say this? You don't want to exaggerate your worth as who you are. Like, I don't want to exaggerate who Coilette is in her own right. Because Coilette, in her own right, as the word says, is like a filthy rag, okay? In her own right. However, remember a few. Just a couple of lives ahead. It, it's about temple worship. So me, in my own right, though I may be filthy rags, though I may have one time been a harlot, though I may have been all these other things, I now am the temple of the Holy Ghost. So what I what I boast in is not of me. What I expect to place is not because of me. It's because of what is within me. I have valuable cargo that I am carrying. My purpose and destiny cannot be too highly exaggerated because it's the purpose and destiny that God has called me to. He put himself within me to give me the ability to fulfill that purpose and destiny. So when we downplay who we are as in the flesh, 
What we can never afford to downplay is who we carry within us. So we need to understand that. That's why it was important to understand it is logical. It, it will please him that we give ourselves as a sacrifice living and set apart for him. It's logical for temple worship. It's logical because it's he that dwells within us. So if I'm so distracted and so caught up in the things of this world and I miss the one that dwells within, the one that created me, the one that gave me purpose and destiny, who did not make a mistake when he called me into his life, when he called me into being. He did not make a mistake when he anointed me to carry forth his word. He did not make a mistake when he called me to the nations. But if I get distracted, if my strategy is no longer in action, and I'm thinking it's all about me, what I need to do, then I'm thinking of myself more highly than I ought. Because, see, I need to exaggerate him. I need to exaggerate him, not just to the world, but within me. Are you getting this? I pray you're getting this. Pray you're getting this. So even though <laughs> we walk in meekness and humility in who we are, excuse me, there should be such a boldness with inside of you because of who you carry. So you're bold enough to stand up and speak. It's like Pentecost over and over again in your life, where you entered into the upper room one way because you were scared and in hiding, but after the Holy Ghost came upon you and you received the power of him dwelling within you, you departed a whole different individual. Then you stood out in, in the open and proclaimed God. Peter went from hiding and thinking of himself so lowly because he felt he betrayed the Savior to being filled with the Holy Ghost and going out there and preaching to the masses. Are you getting this? There's got to be that transformation within you, the renewing, the renewing of your mind. But it gets even deeper than that. It's even deeper than that, okay? I was like, okay, God. This is powerful. This is powerful. This is good. This is good. I like that. However, let us go just a bit deeper. And so I went to my Aramaic Bible because that is what they spoke back in the day in Christ's era. That's what he would have been speaking was Aramaic. That's what the apostles would have been speaking. So I'm like, okay, God. I really want to get a clear understanding of this. See, because the word teaches me in all my getting to get understanding. I want to be clear in what it is that you're saying. See, because this the measure of faith became very important to me because I want to walk in the fullness of the faith that you have given me, in the fullness of it. See, because you created me. In the God class, you 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 created me as a little G. You are big G. Never get that twisted. You are God. So said that we were God. 
you created us in the God class. In middle G. See, that's where we're getting to that life and godliness. Life and godliness. So that you gave us the ability to be a speaking spirit just like you are. So you gave us the ability to rise in the morning and command the day. You said the earth was the Lord's and the fullness therein. And all that dwelled among us. You said that the earth had to yield its fruit to me if I'm standing in your stead so that I could speak to the mountain and the mountain be removed. But I can't do that if I'm distracted because then your strategy for my life is not in action. So I got to get a clear understanding. What is this, this, the measure of faith you have given me? Hallelujah. That I can speak to that mountain and it be removed and cast into the sea. It didn't just have a little earthquake tremble hit it and it just slid over a, a centimeter. No, 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 no. It was removed and cast into the sea. Hallelujah. So let's go to the Aramaic translation. Still, chapter 12, Romans 1 through 3. I get this, because this is good. <laughs> this is good. It says, I plead to you, therefore, my brothers, by the mercies of Elohim, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, set apart and acceptable to Elohim by a reasonable service of him. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renovation of your minds and discern you what is the good and acceptable and perfect pleasure of Elohim. And by the grace given to me, I say to you all, do not carry thoughts beyond what you should think, but think with modesty as Elohim has distributed to each one his measure of, there's a couple of things that you got to catch into this, okay? Here's the first thing, and be in second verse, and be not conformed, conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renovation of your mind and discern you what is the good and acceptable and perfect pleasure of Elohim, the renovation. We don't went from renewing our mind to renovating our mind. When you go into a house and you renovate that house or you go into a building, a structure, and you renovate it, you go in, you gut it out. You clean out all the garbage and all the bad stuff that wasn't there or whatever you didn't like there to begin with, and you get rid of it, and you rebuild from the inside out. That's what needs to happen in our mindset. We need to get rid of all the craziness that we've held on to all this time, thinking that we are bad in a bag of chips and what we need to do and yada, yada, yada. We need to allow our mind to be renovated. Clean all that stuff out. My pastor says it like this. Forget everything that you thought you know or unlearn what you thought you knew so that you can learn what you don't know. 
that's where we've got to get to. We've got to get to that place of hunger and thirst for the things of God in such a deep and profound way that as the word said, we're like a deer panted by the brook. We are so thirsty. We are so hungry for the things of God, for his word, for his, 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 his presence, that nothing comes before it. Nothing. See, that was my frustration. It wasn't the job. My frustration was I was not in the place that I needed to be in the presence of God on a daily basis. Now, do I communicate? Was I communicating during the course of the day? Absolutely, because I still was connected. But my place of dominance, which is where God has called us to get it, hmm, Thank you, Lord. Never forget this, okay? In the garden, when he created man and woman, okay, because we were right there too, you know, when he created us, he gave us dominion. Now, when we fail, we lost dominion. But through Christ's coming, and and being that sacrificial lamb for us and breaking the curse that was over us, we once again have dominion. So we've got to take the dominion that God has given us. We have to subdue. We have to. So that as we multiply, we multiply properly. We have to understand who we are so we can impart that into our children. Most of you, I'm sure, have parents that said, don't go out there doing any kind of thing. I know for me, I was a spark. Don't go out there and misrepresent the spark family. Don't go out there and act a fool and have somebody knocking on my door. Okay? No. No, represent properly. Represent properly. I know my 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 nephew was sharing something with me last year, and it was I mean I we were I was at my brother's um, home going, but my nephew was telling me he said you know grandmother taught me something when I was a little boy at eleven that I never forgot, and I was like what's that? And he said remember we had gone swimming. Um, that he and his sister had came to stay with us for the summer, and so my mom had taken them to a swimming pool, and and, uh, he got bullied at the pool. And so when she went to pick him up, he was like, I don't want to go back there again because they were mean to me and whatever, whatever, whatever. (laughs) He said, my mother looked at him and said, boy, you a spark. (laughs) Okay, you don't ever let nobody run you away from nothing. You a spark. Okay. And he said he never forgot that. And I bet you that next day my mama took him right back to that pool and he was cool. Okay. We're going to leave it at that. He was cool. He didn't have to worry about running no more. Okay. But we have to recognize and understand we are of the God class. We are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. We have been adopted and engrafted into the, the, the family. Know who you are. It's more than just a cliche that you're a king's kid. It's more than just a cliche that you are an ambassador of Christ. What does a vast ambassador do? They represent their country. Wherever they are, the country is. Think about that. Think about that. So wherever you are, did not he say that your feet, wherever your feet shall trod, the land would be yours. Wherever you go, you're representing him. 
understand that. So we've got to renovate our minds and get all the garbage out of that, the preconceived notions and all the, the, the mistakes that have been taught us over the years because we refused to get into the word for ourselves and said it was easier just to listen to what the man was saying and the man was telling you wrong. Let me tell you something. And it was telling it to you with all the best intentions, okay, with all the best intentions because they had not labored. They had just, you know, I, I mean, when I, I – Early in my ministry, I remember learning that people actually buy sermons. And I'm going, wait, what do you mean they, they buy sermons? You know, like you can go online and buy the sermon and the outline, and it's already there for you. And all you have to do is just kind of put it in your, your words and, and go ahead and preach it. And I'm going, what? It's like, what, what, what happened to getting before God and what saying, like, God, what would you have of me to share with the people? What happened to the time of prayer and fasting and, and, and caring before God? What happened with the Lord? Okay, I want to be used of you. I don't want to use what somebody else is using. Yes, of course. You know, you learn things from other people and you share, like I've shared tonight with some of the things that I had heard. But nevertheless, it's like, it did not stop me from getting before God and saying, okay, God, what would you have me to teach? So a lot of things that we've learned and heard aren't correct. And the only way to get it straight is straight from the horse's mouth, to get into the word for yourself. So we need to renovate our thought pattern. We need to renovate our words. We need to get, and it's like, you know, I, I, I promise you, these last few days have made just been so different because now my husband and I together are getting up in the morning and we're coming in agreement with what thus says the Lord. What has he said over our lives? What ability is in that touching and agreeing? There was a reason for two coming together. There was a reason why you left and you cleave. You leave, you cleave. You leave your mama and your daddy and you cleave unto your husband. You cleave unto your wife because there's power in that unity. So if we come in agreement with what thus says the Lord and we can pull that down on a daily basis together, there's such a power in that. There's such a power in that. And I, I, I have to implore you, if you're married and you and your spouse are not coming together in prayer, you're missing a vital blessing. So you say to me, okay, well, he or she is not saved or he or she doesn't want to pray with me. That's okay because you're going to get up and you're going to command your day, okay? And you're going to command, hallelujah, that that which God, and I pray it with God that join you together, not flesh because, hmm. You might have another prayer, but I'm going to leave it at that. But that which God has joined together, because, see, a lot of times God will bring you together and you allow the enemy to creep up in there and tell you apart. But that which God has joined together, the word says, let no man put asunder. And I throw in there no demon, no imp, okay, no Jezebel spirit, no nothing will tear apart what God has joined together. Because, see, I have that confidence. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord put my husband and I together. I went kicking and screaming. I know it was God and it wasn't me. But, y'all, that's another testimony, and most of y'all know my story. But anyway, 
you know? So I know that he did this, and he did this for a reason. So if you're standing and you know that God did that, that's okay. Father, commanding your day is, you know, and God, I just thank you for my marriage. I thank you that my husband and I are coming together in agreement, one with another. You're going to stop putting your mouth on that man or woman. You're going to start decreeing and declaring. Uh, let me tell you something. Many, many years ago, over 20-some years ago, because this was in the first marriage when my husband and I, we didn't all know two yet. We got serious testimony. But when we were married the first time before we got a divorce, okay, um, God had had me write out my declaration for my husband. And that declaration was that he was a mighty man of valor. He was flowing. He was flowing in the spirit of the Lord God Almighty. Okay, he had the wisdom of Jehovah. I, it was like, you know, you just, I wrote it out. Everything that he gave me to wrote, write, I wrote it out and I put it in my Bible. And periodically I would pull it out and I would decree it. Now, in the midst of that, we winded up separating, divorcing. And I just like, it was still in my Bible, but I wasn't decreeing nothing over him any longer. However, when God brought us back together, you know what the Lord said to me? He said, this thing must be because you decreed my word. You prayed my word. My word cannot go out and return unto me void. This thing must be. Whoa. <laughs> okay. That was so deep to me. It wasn't about me wanting the brother back at that moment. Not at that moment. I'm just being honest. But the fact that God was so vivid in what his decree was because I stood on his word. I did what he told me to do in that season. See, a lot of times we stand on the word in a particular season, and then when we get tired of that season, we're not standing anymore. But he was so straight. His word was not going out and returning unto him void. It had to accomplish what he pleased it to do. He gave me the word to to stand on, and that thing had to happen. And it's like that today. It's like that today in whatever it is that he has given you to decree. See, that's why you have to get in his presence in the morning and command your day according to his edict. Prayer is not just about you running your mouth. Prayer is coming into the presence of God. God, what will you have me to pray today? Prayer is prophetic. Remember this law of first mention, first time prayer was mentioned in the word of God, it was David. And when David prayed, he just took back to God everything that Nathaniel had said to him that God said. That's what prayer is about. I'm going to be your mouthpiece, Lord, in the earth realm. So what are we going to decree today? I, I promise you. I laid in bed this morning, and I began to pray as I woke up. And, and as I began to pray, he started to tell me to speak out my expectations. And I did that. I laid, and I expect X, Y, and Z, Okay. And I was just really, really comfortable in it because I knew I was in his flow. I knew that my expectations were things that he had already spoken unto me. So I was expecting these things to manifest. I kid you not, I got in the car and I had bought some CDs from the conference um, of some of the, the ministers that were there. And so I put this one in to hear, you know, the message. Well, I mean, it wasn't the conference CD, so it was a new message for me to hear. Excuse me. And five minutes into the CD, um, the minister 
started talking about expectations. And I was like, I'm driving to work and shouting. I'm driving to work and shouting because she confirmed everything that God spoke to me that morning, this morning, about expectations. Now, now, y'all got to hear me. Y'all got to hear me. Please hear me. Please hear me with the spirit, okay? Saturday, I'm walking through a parking lot at a mall. And I'm on my way to my car. And, and I'm saying this to you so you can understand what type of expectations God is calling us to. We spend time on praying for houses and cars and different things like that when he's already told us in Matthew 6 not to give thought for where we're going to stay, what we're going to put on, what we're going to eat, you know, and in this hour, what we're going to drive because he's already got that because he said the world gives thought about that but he already got us covered okay so i'm walking and i saw there's a couple of cars that i really have my eyes on but one of them is that four-door porsche i that's a bad puppy to me i'm like oh i like that lord i really really like that this is what god told me don't waste your time dealing with trinkets. I it, it was it was so like, and he began to start talking to me about the nation. Now understand, does he mind me having a nice car? Not at all. Does he mind me having a nice house? Not at all. Will he provide those things for me? Absolutely will. His word is already decreed. Okay, multiple properties. His word is already decreed. I'm cool with that. What he was trying to get me to understand is in this faith walk that I have taken the next step in, not to waste my time focusing on the things that he is already providing for me. He's already decreed it. He brought me tonight to Psalms 2 and 8 so that I have a clear understanding. Because, see, when he spoke it to me Saturday, he said, deal with the nations. Don't worry about the trinket. Deal with the nations. And when he said it, the first thing that popped in my mind was, oh, my God, these are trinkets. Because you stop and think, okay, if heaven's streets are gold, then these cars and these houses are just mere trinkets to him. If, if gold flows in the streets of heaven like asphalt flows here, think about that, then, yeah, a car and a house is just mere trinkets. But he said, concentrate on the nation. And I was like, deep. And so tonight, today, as I was thinking, you know, about tonight and sharing with you, and I was like, okay, God, okay, I want to give them how to concentrate on the nation. And he took me to Psalms 2 and 8, and it said, ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. See, we, we, are, we get caught up in our faith, and we limit it to the little things that the world is saying is so important, the stature and what have you, okay? No, 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 no. Don't get caught up in the trinkets. He wants you to possess the nations. He wants you to go forth and to show him to a dark and a perverted world. All these things that we're concentrating on, literally, what, what's it going to mean when you leave here? And, and you're going to leave. It's appointed to every man wants to die. You're going to leave. So what's it going to mean then? No, 
What's your legacy? What are you leaving behind? Not the trinkets. It's how, what kind of difference have you made in somebody's life? What kind of difference? Man, I, I just, mm. wow. It, it is just, it is just so unbelievable how we limit our scope. One of the speakers this weekend said, imagination is, wait a minute, let me find it, because I, I wrote it. I'm, I'm a note taker. You got to understand. <laughs> I am a note taker, and I thought this was good. Where is it? Pastor Portia. Your imagination pre-plays your future. That's what she said. Your imagination pre-plays your future. So, you know, he is not going to give you um, a vision of something that you can accomplish without him. If if your vision is something that you can do on your own, that's not God's vision for your life. God's vision for your life will always be more than you can do on your own because he's got to make sure that you continue to stay connected to him. You've got to stay connected to him. You've got to need him in the midst of what you're doing. He needs you to need him, okay? Because if you realize how much you need him, then you're going to thirst after him. You're going to go after him. You're going to recognize and understand how important it is to be in his presence on a daily basis, to command your day according to what he gives you. Prayer needs to be prophetic. You need to just be rehearsing and regurgitating what best day of the Lord. If Christ said the only thing he does is what his father does, the only thing he says is what it has said, then what makes you think that you aren't to do the same thing? So you've got to get in his presence every single day. You need to grow in your faith so you get to the place that you got the God kind of faith. You got the God kind of faith. He said to you, in the Aramaic, it said that Elohim has distributed to each one his measure of faith. His. He's giving you his faith. His. The measure of faith is God's measure of faith. That's the measure of faith. That's why it's so important not to be a, just like God is not a God in the small g reference, as there are many gods that are worshipped in the earth realm. Ask any other, that's a Hindu or a Buddhist or um, somebody in Islam or whatever. There's many quote-unquote gods that are worshipped, but the God Almighty Okay, the one that will eat up the other ones, the ones that will cause the other ones to fall on their face before him, the God, not a God, he is not a God, he is the God, where he has given you the measure, his measure of faith. And that's what you need to walk in and be that speaking spirit just as he is and command your day. I got up this morning. I'm like, okay, Lord, I thank you. Everything that is needed at that job and in that office is being supplied today. Uh, There will be no stress. There will be no worry. I will leave on time because I have a broadcast to do and I will not be hindered. I will have enough time to get here and study. (laughs) Okay. You know, and again, I'm alert. I'm, um, you know, I'm revived. Okay, I'm alive, 
And that was my confession this morning. I promise you, the day flowed. I got home this evening. My grandsons were like, Granny, what you doing here so early? <laughs> okay? You see what I'm saying? Why? Because I got up. I put it to the test. I got up, and I put him first. I got up yesterday, and I put him first. I got up Saturday, and I put him first. I got up Friday. I put him first. See what I'm saying? Put him first. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of your God who created you with purpose and destiny and give him all the glory for your life. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. I, I really have. I, I've so enjoyed teaching it. I hope that you, you can see and that you transition, you know, that you have the power of life and death. It is nigh you even in your tongue. Okay? And, and it includes what you speak inwardly. Change your atmosphere audibly because the things I decreed this morning, I did it audibly. So I want to set it. I want the, the, the breath to leave my body in declaration of what I'm saying. So as I'm speaking, it is leaving out of the inward man, going into the atmosphere and decreeing and declaring over the atmosphere and going forth. His word is going forth. It's not about me. His word is going forth. God, what would you have me to decree this morning? That's what is going forth. And I know it will not return unto you, Lord, our void. I know it won't. I know it won't. So we got to get to that place. We've got to get to that place. You know, some things are, happen and sometimes our faith is shook because things don't work out the way we want it to work out. There were two women this weekend, and I'm going to share this, and I'll probably be done. But this was very important, and I feel in my spirit to share it. There were two women that ministered. One ministered um, in psalm, uh, or she was a psalmist, but she ministered in psalm. I mean, that, that little young lady brought brought the spirit of the Lord down, <laughs> okay. Um, and the other one um, ministered in a comedic way. She, um, she was a, a comedian. But they both had the same testimony. They had both, and when their mother had died, um, it rocked their faith to both of them. The psalmist, she was saying, and, and the psalmist was like, you know, she gave herself unto the Lord. She was a virgin when she got married at 25, you know, and um, she just, and she was just still young. She, to me, looked like maybe she was 26, 27, I don't know, but very, still a young lady and whatever, but she said her mom passed last year, and it just rocked her because, you know, she was walking in faith. She was walking in faith. She said, even she put doctors out of her mama's room. You know, she was like, anybody walking here that's not walking in faith, you got to go. <laughs> okay. You got to go because she was believing God for her mother's healing. All right. And her mother passed and it rocked her faith. The other one, she, um, she is a PK. She, her father is a pastor. Her mom was a minister. Um, and so again, they, you know, speaking, walking in faith and what have you, um, and the mom passed and it rocked her world. Um, and they both had very similar testimonies as to what happened afterwards. The psalmist said, um, that she actually had a visitation 
from her mom. She, uh, I assume she was sleeping or whatever. And her mom explained to her it was her choice. She was ready to go. And that gave her peace. The other one um, said that God told her, the one that she's a PK and the pastor, um, her dad's a pastor, mom was a minister. And God told her clearly and distinctly, I heard your prayer, but I answered her prayer. So it, it was like, Sometimes things rock our face and cause us to shrink back because we don't know the whole story, because we don't know the whole story. I, I'm, 13 years ago, I lost my, my, uh, my son-in-law, my daughter's husband, and, and I was just, it, it, it devastated me to a degree um, because this was a young man I had been praying for. You know, and even that night, it was like they had him on life support, and I'm still praying, you know, Holy Spirit, you know, bring him back and and what have you. But then we found his Bible and found something that he had written into his Bible, dealing with his head, and that, that was where the injury was, was in his head, and how he was ready to go. It, it was just, like I said, we pray, and some of the things that shake our faith is because we don't know the whole story. God knows the whole story. So instead of shrinking back and allowing your grief, your hurt, your pain, why did this have to happen, why did they have to leave me, you know, all the different things, the disappointments in life that we go through, we allow these things to come in and separate us from that cornonia, that fellowship with God that is so vital that we have, okay? We, we've got to come up out of that. Again, we, we've talked about renovating our mind. We, we've got to get rid of that. We've got to release the hurt. We've got to release the pain. It's okay to mourn, but then there's a day when he says, get up, wash yourself, shake yourself, and let's go. He gives you your time. He, he allows you that grief. He allows you that mourning. But there comes a day, understand that, when he's going to tell you, get up, wash yourself, let's go. It's enough. There's things to go do. There are souls still weighing in the balance. Do you by any chance have any idea how many souls are connected to your one life? Do you understand that when you walk in that distraction, when your strategy and action is off kilter, how that's affecting so many others? Not just your immediate family. Forget about me and my four and no more. We're talking about nations. We just talked about, he said, ask me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. He's called you to so much more than the meager surroundings that you're focused on. Got to get our mindset straight. We got to grow up in the faith, the God faith that he has given us so that we can go forth and accomplish what he called us to. You know, Miles Monroe said before he passed that, you know, he wanted to die empty. I believe he did that. I, I really do. With all the books and the sermons and the teachings on purpose and the kingdom, anything that God gave him to share, he shared. He didn't hoard anything. He wasn't secretive about anything. He poured himself out. So I believe he did just what he asked to do. He died empty. I want that to be my legacy. I don't want to hold anything back that God has given me the preordained inclination to do. 
I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss a thing, okay? That is one of my decrees. I will fulfill my God-ordained destiny and purpose so that the lives that he has called me to touch, whether I know I ever touched them or not, matters none. I just want to do and be accountable for what he has called me to because I promise you, on Judgment Day, he's not going to ask you who hurt you, who disappointed you, who did whatever. He's going to be judging you. What did you do? What was your reaction to what was done to you? And how did you fulfill the call that I placed upon your life? Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. And we call ourselves Christians. It is not a religion, people. Get it straight. It's about a relationship with the lover and the lifter of your soul. And in a relationship, there is fellowship. There's koinonia. There's that coming together. There's that spending time with one another. There's that counsel that we can get from the throne room of God. But you've got to avail yourself to it. You cannot, you cannot get so entangled in the things of this world that you miss the things of God. You cannot. And if you allow the disappointments and the hurts and the pains of life to, again, distract you, it's not always about the job. It's not always about people. Sometimes it's your emotions that will cause you to become distracted. Then you stop that strategy that was in action for your life. It's time out for that that. We are in a place right now in this time frame, okay, where all hands need to be on deck. And you need me to, on a daily basis, be decreeing and declaring what thus says the word, the Lord. Look at the world around you and tell me this is not an hour like never before. We need to be prophetic and right on point in our prayers. We need to be prophetic and right on point in our declaration. He has not called us all to an office of a prophet, but he has given us a spirit of prophecy when it comes to repeating what he has downloaded within us. That's all it is. Prophecy is speaking forth what that says the Lord. What has he said to you about you? What has he said to you about your family? My declarations for years and years and years over my family is that not one will perish. All will live in and to the glory of God. And I can tell you, I've got grandsons that's been out there, been in games, and had guns pulled on them, and guns fired right in their face that misfired. Because I decreed, and God has said it to be so, that not one of my household will perish, but all will live to the glory of God. They will all decree and declare his word. I, I just, you know, I know it. I just believe it. I know it. It, it is settled in my heart because when I got saved 26 years ago, that's what he told me. I've never forgotten it. So no matter what I've seen in the natural, didn't move me. 
God, this is what you promised me. Me and my whole household would be saved. Me and my whole household would be saved. And he told us in the world, we can go down to the fourth generation, and that's what I decree and declare. And then I'm believing that the next generation will do the same thing and decree down to the fourth generation of their life as we progress, if God should tarry. So this is going to go on and on. I don't care what your background was. I know what mine was. Two babies by 16. Okay, out there in the world, all manner of things that I shouldn't have been doing. But yet God never gave up. He never changed his mind about him calling me, ordaining me, anointing me to use me. I am 58 years old, and I'm standing in his glory, and I give him the praise. So don't look down on those that don't seem to be walking upright because God has already got their future in his hands. Already done. It's already done. I, I wrote a blog a few years ago, and it said, God will interrupt your iniquity. Just ask the Samaritan woman, Pastor Rahab. There's a, a whole list. As Matthew, the tax collector, he will interrupt your iniquity to get you straight with him. He will do it. So to him be the glory. I pray that you have been blessed tonight. I, I've I've enjoyed this time. I really, really have. Um, if you, I know some of you tuned in late. I saw a few of you chime in a little late. Um, please go into the archives. Listen to it from the beginning. I really, really believe that it will bless you. We've got to get to that place in God where we're walking in the God kind of faith. So that we know that we know that we know that that which he called us to, we are able to fulfill and to do. We've got to come out of that place of frustration and distraction and set the tone for our lives every day. <laughs> Not every now and then, but every day. To him be the glory. I, I thank you so much for tuning in with me tonight. I, I really, really do. To God be the glory for all that he has said, spoken, and done. Um, in and through me and in and through you. So we're going to go out with worth fighting for because yes, you are. And it's worth fighting for to accomplish that which God has called you to. Be blessed. You made me deep in my despair to show never leave me there. You claim me cause I was made for so much more. I am your child and I'm worth fighting for. Oh, happy with the weight of my mistakes. You carried me and refused to let me sink under the pressure. You meant for me to soar. I am your child, and I'm worth fighting for. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard all you have planned for me, and nothing can separate me from your love. We meant so much more. Still worth fighting for Now I'm moving By faith and not by sight Towards victory 
by the power of your mind, you're straightening out my path, opening every door, I am your child, and I'm worth fighting for, I haven't Nothing, no nothing, nothing can separate, can separate me, me from your love when there's so much more.
Victory today 